black and white or other cultural views. You see, it should permeate everything that we're doing because the gospel tells us it's no longer about Jews and Gentiles. You know, I think in many ways I agree. I agree with that statement. Because if that's the case, if the gospel is truly transformational, we will no longer be respected as a person. God is the favorite. Accept whoever you want to choose. I believe in that because God can choose anybody. But God says he has got no favoritism. In other words, he's going to love every one of us. The second thing also I want us to think about is our faith worth contending for? We know that people all over the world, especially Iraq and other places, are losing their lives because of their faith. Let me ask you, is your faith worth dying for? Is the gospel that we talk about really indeed something that can truly set us free? And we talked about being free. A lot of things today are also being crowded into the lives of, of people. But even the Christian faith. Now let me make sure we understand what when I talk about the gospel. We're saying from last time, the gospel tells us it's only Christ alone that can save us. We put our faith and trust in what is done on the cross, and no one else can add to that. However, people have added stuff to this. And let's be careful. Well, those simple things that sometimes, if we're not careful, are little additional stuff. And I pray that this morning, once again, we will see the reasons why we need to contend this. Because if not, we can also be led away. All right. Okay, my brother, I don't know what's happening over here. Oh, switch if it's on. Okay, let me try again. Ah! I didn't even know, my brother. All right? You know... Let's face it today, a lot of us are trying to find ways for us to be accepted, to be approved. As a matter of fact, when we, when we go to a worship service like this, we ask ourselves, is our worship service today acceptable to the Lord? When the worship team leads us in the front, if we base this upon performance, do we say, oh, was that an, uh, an, a, an A plus, a C? Is God honored by that? Oh, they made a mistake. Hey, is it based on performance? Pastors, when we preach in, pro in front, let me share with this with you. There are times I feel like I am an F in my messages. And please realize, be gracious. You know why? Because you and I know you don't always perform as well. Am I correct? We all, right? If you look into my life, you ask my wife and told you and my children, I'm not always a perfect father or even husband. And so we have to learn to understand what is grace all about. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning before we start. Whom are you most likely to seek approval for what you do? Do you look for your spouse, you know, and or your parents? Do they say, huh, huh. So you say you're like this, and you wonder whether he gives you the thumbs up or the thumbs down, right? Parents, kids. Do we ask approval from God? Lord, are you pleased with what I'm doing? To some, they want to make sure before the church leaders, oh, pastor, present, huh? I'm present here today. You wonder whether people, what about your friends? What do your friends say? We are looking for all kinds of approval. Why? Because we live in a world that seeks for ways for us to be affirmed. Now, here's the second part. What or who among this things up there most likely will influence your life today? Number one, question. Social media? How many spend so much time on your computer and your tech 
if you're not careful, those things can influence your life. Even how life is being de defined many times is based upon social media. Wikipedia. How many of you checks Wikipedia? I'm, I'm checking that too. But let me ask you, is that your authority? Everybody puts their stuff, and so whatever is accepted, that seems to be the norm. Be careful. Sometimes we look at that as our influence here. What about favorite celebrities? If your favorite celebrity was Robin Williams, and by the way, I like Robin Williams, don't get me wrong. He was a very funny guy. Am I correct? Some of you from the Philippines, you knew him before, Nano Nano. They think it's Kapampangan. Nano Nano. If you're from Pampanga, I think they know the joke. Nano means what, what? You know, he might be, or he made us laugh. So I was talking to one guy. The guy says, oh, I, I really miss that guy. I like, you know, Mrs. Uh, Darth. Uh, I love that guy. In other words, people feel like when he died, the whole world somehow was impacted by that. Does he influence your life? Let's be warned. You can be funny. But it means it doesn't mean that you're happy or you're contented or you're fulfilled in your life. Somebody said he was funny even out of his character. When you go outside, you talk to him, he'll be funny. He'll, he's like the same guy. But is he putting in a mask? Got to be careful. Are we influenced? I'm just making sure I'm just putting here. I'm not putting this in order. Are you influenced by God's word? The question is, how much of time have you spent today reading God's word? I'm not going to get, uh, get a census here, right? But how many of you came to church this morning and you read God's word? All right? I'm not going to ask you. This is between you and the Lord. This whole week, between last Sunday until today, how much time did you spend every day in God's word? If you believe that God's word is an influence upon your life, how much time do you spend? If you're not, then I'm not so sure whether you really believe that God's word is an influence upon your life. Because if you, if you truly agree it's God's word, then you need to spend time in it. Here's a second, here's another one. What about your parents and spouse? Of course. How much do they influence us? They will influence us. The things that they say. What about somebody says, nobody influences me. Some people say, hey, I don't care what the world does. It's my life. Nobody, I don't, I don't even believe in authority. No one influences my life. But folks, we have to understand whether we like it or not, we're going to be influenced by something. And so this morning, I want us to make sure we understand where we are, right? If you were, if you were following us from last time, we're following the, the book of Galatians. We dealt with what is the false gospel, what is the true gospel, and why do we need to focus on the Apostle Paul? Because what happens are a couple of things I want you to understand. Let me go a little further. I think I gave you the older issue over here. The challenge here is this. If you attack the message of Christ, which is the gospel, and if you cannot change that gospel message, you will attack the messenger. If you cannot accept the message that is being preached by Paul, then you will also attack him as a person. These two come along together. So I want us all then, if you can follow me, let's all stand and let's all read the Bible together. Right? I, I hope you can, I'm sorry if it's too small. Uh, can you see it? Okay. When I put it together, I thought it was big enough. Now when I'm up here, I feel like I'm, it's not as 
big as I thought, all right? Let's all read it together. If you have a Holman translation Bible, we can read it together. Let's, let's read it from verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized that I may not be running or having run the race in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. This issue arose because of false brothers smuggled in who came in secretly to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel will be preserved for you. Now from those recognized as important, what they really were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. Since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work for me for the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, and John recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word this morning once again will have an impact upon our lives. Lord, help me to be able to preach this word with clarity so that whatever truth we learn today would make a difference for us to be discerning more about who you are, what your gospel is, and what you expect from us, O Lord. We pray for the authority of your word that it becomes so clear that this is given to your apostles for inspiration so that we might be able to understand clearly your gospel message. So, Lord, speak to your servant this morning and give us receptive hearts and minds that we might be able to understand what is in store in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to understand that this, this chapter 2 is a con- continuation where we were last, last Sunday. We said Pas- Apostle Paul was trying to defend his apostleship. What's an apostle? A messenger. Somebody who speaks for the Lord. And therefore he's using this to make sure that we understand why is it important for us to think about his apostleship. I also want us to look at the problem that was there. This is the background. If you look at the background of, of the problem that Paul was dealing with, this was the church in Jerusalem. Notice what he says. Acts chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are what? Circumcised, and according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be. Remember what he said last time Paul said, we are only saved by what? By grace. This Judaizer is saying, you need to be circumcised. Continue. But after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious arguments and debates, the church arranged for Paul and Barnabas and some others of them to go up to the apostles and elders where? In Jerusalem, concerning this controversy. Verse 3. When they had been sent on the way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, explaining in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they created great joy among all the brothers. And when they arrived at Jerusalem, 
They were welcomed by the church. The apostles, the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Verse 5. But some believers from the party of who? There it is. The Pharisees stood by and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, folks, what is the problem here? What do you think is the problem? It's the gospel that's being preached by Paul. Is it correct or not? That is the problem, right? Paul, is what you're saying correct or not? And let's make sure that the gospel you're doing is in line with what we believe. We are the, the mother church in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, we got all these apostles that God worked with, who he revealed himself and appointed as apostles. They are the apostles. And they're saying, Paul, you were not appointed by Jesus Christ. You're not one of the 12. So in other words, they were attacking the, the, messen the messenger. And so that was a problem here. Let me, but then they added something here. They were, saying, they were saying, by the way, being a Judaizer is a great thing. They love becoming a Judaizer. A Judaizer is a Jew, a person who followed what? The commands, the laws. They were saying Jesus Christ cannot save us alone. As a matter of fact, if you follow the, the commands and the laws, you would even be better. And if you become circumcised, it is even an act of commitment to the Lord. Now, let me ask you, why were they so stuck with the word circumcised? Okay, now, ladies, guys, you say, this is uncomfortable. No, no, it's not. Let me explain why. What happens when a person is circumcised? For them, it is a mark that you're being set apart and that you want to really follow the Lord. All right? In other words, it's saying, this is a mark that I'm really committed to God. Second thing they're saying, this is such an intimate thing. That I'm saying everything that's intimate within me tells me that I am really belonging to God. So what's wrong about being circumcised, right? In other words, if you do this, maybe it's telling you you are really committed to God. Now, the moment you accept that, then you're saying that what Christ has done alone on the cross is not enough. You need to add this. Now, what are some of the things being added to the gospel? What are some of the things being added to the gospel today? Ceremonial laws. If you say, by the way, if you don't fast, that's not enough. Oh, if you are not baptized, You're not saved. Have you ever heard that expression? Does baptism save us? If you start to think that baptism saves us, you're adding to the gospel message again. Baptism is only an outward expression. Now, you can add other stuff to this like other churches would add. They're saying, by the way, for you to be saved, you need to do these things. Add it there. Oh, by the way, you will experience these things, the gospel of prosperity. You need to give up all these things and you are going to be saved. Folks, let us be careful. Anything, anytime you add to the gospel, it becomes a false gospel. Let me add one more here. And I'm very careful how I'm going to say this because I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to put down other brothers and sisters. But when somebody tells me that I need to speak in a certain language in order to be saved, that is adding to the gospel. Am I correct? Because it doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures that I need to be doing this in order to prove 
that I have Christ in my life. No, it is not. It was given, the language given so that the gospel can be preached in other languages so people can hear the gospel. It was never for our own personal enjoyment. So let's be careful, all right? So let me move on here. So here's what Paul does. What Paul does, make sure he confronts those who were being stuck with this. He says, after 14 years, in other words, after Paul gets saved, three and a half years, remember last time, three and a half years, plus 14 years now, he goes to where? To Jerusalem. After 17 years, he goes back to Jerusalem. In other words, what was he doing during the 17 years? Preaching, teaching, and preaching the gospel. And now for, the very, for, for this time, he goes back to Jerusalem. Why? Why do you think Paul was going back to Jerusalem? Was it because he was looking for some, some credentials he can get from the people in Jerusalem? Was it because he was being called to the table and says, Paul, you better give an account of what you're doing? No, no. You know, you know why he goes to Jerusalem? It's right here. I went up according to what? Because God gave it to him to go to Jerusalem. Nobody was asking him to go there. God gave it to him so he can share what was happening in his life. Folks, we need to keep that in mind. Who gave him the gospel? God gave, remember in Genesis, uh, Galatians chapter 1? This gospel is not from men. It came from God. It was God who gave it to Apostle Paul. And therefore he gets this revelation from God. He preaches the gospel and he continues for 17 years. And now he says, oh, by the way, I'm going to go to Jerusalem because they're calling me. Peter, James, and John, the leader says, you come up here. What is this that you're hearing? No, 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 no. He came because of a revelation from God. God says, Paul, you go to Jerusalem. You can clear this up. And what does he do then? He goes there with Barnabas and Titus. Now, that's great because this, they were part of the church. And who was Barnabas? One of the people that God has used really to help even encourage Paul. But who is Titus primarily? I want you to notice this word named Titus here. He brought along Titus. Because of Titus, he was there, not diversity, but even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Aha. All right, why does he bring Titus with him? I like this. Because he's saying, I'm going to bring Titus because Titus is my exhibit A. Guys, ladies, Christians, you want to talk about the gospel, how it can change people? It can change this Gentile named Titus. And I'm going to bring him up before you. And by the way, God has changed Titus, and he's not circumcised. So does circumcision change the person? Or he's saying, okay, you, by the way, you tell Titus over here that Titus, you're not saved because you're not circumcised. I'm so glad that the Lord allowed Paul to say, let me bring you exhibit A. Here it is. You tell him that he's not saved. And folks, that is a very strong statement because by doing that, he was trying to say, I want you to make sure that the, 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 that the gospel I'm preaching is not in vain because look at these people that God has saved. And folks, I'm glad because you know who Titus represents? You and me. You and I are Gentiles. You're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. You know how the Jews look at Gentiles? They will say, Gentiles, Bleh! you know what the Gentiles will look at the Jews? Bleh! 
I'm not kidding. That's how they treat one another. And that's why the gospel is transforming, folks. It is no longer about Jew and Gentile. And that's why when our country and places start to talk about race, it's not about race. The gospel is all-inclusive. And we need to understand that God has changed people's hearts. Now let's continue with this because I want you to notice what he does with the problem. So because of the problem, Apostle Paul deals with it. And by the way, don't miss next Sunday because we're going to talk about dealing with conflicts. Conflicts are bound to happen in churches, right? You think it's going to, hap- it's going to happen in our church here? It will happen, all right? Has it happened in the past? It happened, right? How do you deal with it? The biblical way, all right? He's going to deal with it, and, and, and what he does, he do, he deals with apostles and elders. So I want you to go back here and listen to what he says. Verse 4, because of the false brothers smuggled in him who came in secret to spy on the freedom that they had in Christ in order to... In other words, there were people coming, and they were checking on Paul. You know, when Paul left, all these Judaizers came back to the church in Galatia and said, guys... The gospel that you're preaching is not the real gospel. As a matter of fact, you need to be circumcised. As a matter of fact, when you talk about Pastor Paul, I don't think you can rely on him. They were working behind his back. And he had to deal with this. And how does he do it? I want you to know how how beautiful it comes here, right? Verse 14. It says, because of the false brothers who came in secret to spy on us, freedom of heaven Christ, in order to enslave us. He said, these guys who are coming are bringing them back to slavery. Notice what happened. When you bring them back to slavery, he's saying, guys, bondage versus being free in Christ is like this. When you experience true freedom in Christ, he's saying, Lord, I am no longer bound by all these laws because by all these laws, I can never be free and you've set me free because Christ paid it. That's what he was saying. Lord, I'm willing to follow your will. And bondage says, I need to do all this stuff. There's an extreme. The other extreme, this other one says, oh, I am free to do whatever I want. And because of that, by the way, I don't need all this Bible stuff. You see all the extremes? One group says, I don't need God. I'm free to do whatever I want. The other person says, Oh, you need to do all these things in order for you to be acceptable by God. And you're bound. Have you noticed both extremes? What does God say? It is only by God's grace that you and I are saved because Christ paid that penalty once and for all. It is the grace of God. Legalism brings bondage, but grace brings freedom. But the painful part with this, let me share with you how I can, how I can change this. Many times we forget the grace of God, of how we easily put ourselves into that. Here's a story. I, I don't think it's a, a story, but it's almost like somebody, a parable they made up, all right? He said there was this king who had to deal with some of his subjects. Just one of the person who was being dealt with killed somebody. And so the king says, because of what you've done, you are now being sentenced to be put to death because you killed a person. You will be executed. And so he was already going to be executed, and so the friend came and visited his, his friend in jail. He says, I heard you're going to be executed because you killed, killed, killed somebody. He says, yes. Is there anything I can do for you? He said, my friend, 
I don't want to die. I'm too young to die. He said, if, if there's anything you can do for me, I please, I'm begging you. If you can plead from, from, from the king that I be freed for anything, could you help me? And so his friend goes to the king. He said, king, I'm asking a favor. Is there anything I can do for my friend? Because right now I know he's going to be sentenced to death. He's going to be killed. Is there anything I can do for my friend? And the king says, I'm going to give only one way for this person to be freed. If there is an innocent baby who has never sinned that can be offered, I will accept it in behalf of this person. The friend knew he just had a baby. He was struggling. He went to his friend and said, my friend, the only way you could be freed is that somebody has to die for you. It needs to be a child, an innocent child. The friend said, really? You'll be separate? Yes. And he said, my friend says, my friend, don't you have a baby? Is it possible that you can let this baby die in my place? You can have another baby anyway. But please, my friend, can you do something for me? The guy went home. He was, he was struggling so hard. He says, I promise my friend I can help him. But so he made a decision with his wife. He says, we are willing to give our baby in place of this man. To make a short story. They gave their baby. The baby was executed in behalf of this man. Well, the man was freed. When he was freed, he was so thankful to his friend. But after maybe a few months, later on, he heard him conversing with somebody. He said, hey, I see that you're free right now, right? So how did you get free? Oh, well, you know, the king's thought that maybe I was not that bad after all. You know, the man I killed, it was part of the accident. And so he decided that I should be set free. And the father of the baby who was killed heard the whole conversation. Let me ask you, what do you think of that statement? Was this person understanding what grace is all about? There was nothing he did and yet for us, we're trying to say, Lord, I'm okay. Lord, I've been saved, but you know what? I'm not that bad after all. Right? Folks, that's what legalism does. And so what, what Apostle Paul was trying to say, we cannot compromise the truth. And I want you to notice the next statement here. I want you to look at verse 2 and verse 6. Let me go back to that verse here. So what does Apostle Paul do? And I want to thank God for how he approaches this problem. He privately decides to go to whom? To the recognized leader. He went to those with good reputation, according to some verses. Why did he do this? He was very, very careful that when he approached the problem, that he was not trying to broadcast it to the point that he was trying to make sure that what he was doing was not in vain. In other words, saying, leaders, you know that I've been preaching the gospel for the 17 years, and I want to make sure that what I'm preaching is the same thing, and I have not been preaching in vain. He was not getting for the approval. He just wanted to make sure they're on the same page. I want you to notice the next verse 6. Now from those recognized as important, what they really were makes no difference to me. What he said, I don't really care whether those people are the apostles. I don't even care how important they were. 
for me, what is most important things that God gave you to me, they haven't had any credibility to me about the gospel. Because where is my revelation from? From God. He was not looking for that kind of approval. I want to look at verse 5. Here's a critical statement here. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even an hour. That the truth of the gospel may be deserved for you. Apostle Paul was not willing to budge the gospel. Even when he was in front of the people with reputation. I want you to go further here. He said, on the contrary, they thought I have been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was entrusted the gospel to whom? The circumcised. Paul said, by the way, I preach the gospel to those who are uncircumcised, the Gentiles. And Peter, you preach to those who are circumcised. Are we preaching a different gospel? No. It is the same gospel according to the Greek, but they are presenting it to different kinds of people. But the gospel does not change. Folks, when you go to another country, the gospel of Christ does not change. When you go to the Philippines, it's the same gospel. When you go to Iraq, it needs to be the same gospel, and the gospel of Christ does not change. Anytime you change the gospel, Paul said, you are being Nobody can add to what Christ has done for us. I want you to notice a little bit more over here. It says, uh, when James, Cephas, and John recognized as pillars, they are recognized as leaders, what did they do? They acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. And what did they do with Apostle Paul? They gave him the right hand of fellowship. Apostle Paul was saying, you know what? I'm not looking for these people's approval. I'm just asking that they confirm the grace that God has given to me to share also the grace with others. And we're on the same page. So what did the apostle say? We are on the same page. And they gave Paul the what? The right hand of fellowship. Said, Paul, you're preaching the same gospel. We saved, they uh, served the same God. And we are here not because we are choosing ourselves to just do this, but because God has revealed it to them as well. That the same gospel that apostles had was the same gospel Apostle Paul had. And then, I want you to notice this statement here. They ask only that we remember the poor, which I made every effort for. Folks, when God deals with the lives of his people, there will be some changes. Remember I talked about the, the change of an Apostle Paul's life? Folks, when the gospel starts to impact our lives, we start to see the needs of other people. If you notice, it says, they start to remember the poor. And by the way, Apostle Paul said, oh, I, he's been doing that. That was once again a confirmation that the same concern they had for the poor is also the same concern that Apostle Paul had. What does it tell us? You know, when we hear about needs in our community, we need to learn how to meet those needs because that is a sign of a changed life. It's no longer just about us. Why do we have missionaries going to other countries to treat people who have Ebola virus? Have you heard what uh, other people said, like Ann Coulter and other people? Like, uh, I'm saying people are criticizing these missionaries. Why do these people have to go to other countries 
They are going to bring back the sickness to America as though we are supposed to be sanitized. You know why people, missionaries go to other countries? Not because of humanitarian reasons, which it could be. Why? Because the love of Christ compels us to go and share the gospel with other people. And reaching the whole total person is the possible. Why are we willing to risk our lives? Because guys, Christ's love compels us. Paul was willing to pay the price, even as an apostle. Now, in closing, I want us to understand. Here's the summary here. Apostles Paul's authority and, and apostleship is recognized by the, by the apostles. As I said, this person who is preaching the gospel has also been given the authority by God, and we recognize that. They recognize what Paul was preaching. Second, the gospel is clearly affirmed. You cannot add any more to what Christ has preached, and we need to keep preaching the same gospel that only Jesus Christ can save us. What is the third? There's only one gospel. It's universal. What else? If Paul was assigned to another group, and Peter was assigned to another group, it doesn't mean that they have a different gospel. It is the same gospel, but we're trying to reach all people. And lastly, now that you're saved by grace, show your good works. But God has saved us. So here's the formula I want to make sure we all understand. I think I, may, I, I, I skipped that formula right here. And I hope everybody understands this formula. If not, I have failed you in this. What is the true gospel? Follow me carefully. Faith in Jesus Christ alone plus nothing equals salvation. Or faith in Jesus Christ plus something else that you want to add to that equals salvation. Church, which is the true gospel? I pray, I pray that even as of today, after we preach to this, it is clear to us, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's what Apostle says. So what is the challenge application for us this morning? Here's what I want you to do now. So what is keeping you in bondage today? What is holding you back in terms of saying, Lord, I just fully trust you? What is it that you're trying to prove, to perform, to feel like, God, I need your approval? Or are you willing to say, Lord, I give up. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I'm going to trust in you alone and save me. If you're still in bondage for these things that you think is going to save you, folks, let go and let God be the one to save us. Second question. What areas of life tend to compromise? See, Apostle Paul could, be a, uh, could be have been a people pleaser. You and I many times are looking for approval from other people. What will other people say? You know, once you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, people will turn their back on you. Families can curse you. People will count you as... If you just hear stories of people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, how they lost their lives because of that, they knew the cost. So what is stopping us from compromising? If we are compromising our faith, then God is going to say, why are you a people pleaser? I gave my life for you. What else? What are dangers of the compromising truth? If you compromise the truth, what is going to happen next? If you can compromise the truth of God, then you will compromise yourself in all other things. 
you and I need to start to stand up for the truth is. And lastly, if you truly are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be needs around you. You know, sometimes as a church, I wonder, how can we respond to the needs of the people around us? Around the community, the people he would meet. We just can't say to people, I pray for you. We need to do more than that. When people are dying in other countries, Ebola, what are we going to do? When there's a typhoon or, or, or a big storm in the Philippines, do we do anything? When Iraqis are dying, what do we do? If our communities are saying, look, we need a lot of help, what are we going to do? We respond because the gospel tells us to respond out of a loving God. We do it, not in order to gain God's favor, but because you have accepted God's grace and love, and now that you've been changed, you will ultimately change because that is the proof of a changed life. So in closing, I'm going to ask you this morning, what is the proof that God has changed your life? What is the proof that the gospel that you are embraced, that you have been willing to pay the price because God paid the price for you, not a people pleaser? And folks, it's easy for us just to go with the crowd. But God says, if you stand up for me, I'm going to stand up for you as well. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And every heads are bowed and every eyes are closed. You know the reason why we preach the gospel Sunday after Sunday? Because it's the gospel that can only change people's lives. It can change our selfish lives to a life that is honoring to the Lord. Life that tells us it's only when you live for me that you'll find fulfillment and joy in knowing what you have been created for. And so church, if you have been coming to church for all these years, and you're trying to get some kind of approval from people, or you want just to be pleasing people, Oh, I pray that you will give up on that. That will never get you anywhere. You can never satisfy this world of people. The only person that can honor your life and the purpose for your life is for you to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that he loves you. He is willing to accept you even as a sinful person. He is willing to die for you, and he wants to work his way through you to accomplish his purpose. It is only when you do God's will will you find true fulfillment in life. If that is your life, I pray that you will continue that path of honoring the Lord. However, if you live a life of compromise, if you have been trying to please your friends, your workers, co-workers, if you have compromised your testimony, just to make sure that you're accepted by this world, would you please ask by the grace of God that God will empower you and give you the boldness to stand for the truth and willing to say, this is who I am because I have been bought by Christ. I now live for Christ alone. You're not doing this in order to please people. You're doing this because God has saved you. And now you're willing to love him and to stand up for him and let his power work through you. So church, question right now is this. Now that you have the gospel, who are you sharing this gospel with? 
How are your family, friends, the loved ones looking at your testimony? Can they truly say like the life of Titus? Here is Titus. He's been saved and changed. But if they haven't seen the change, can you ask God to help us change this morning? So say a simple prayer that goes like this. God, I give my life totally to you, Lord. It is yours. And it's because you gave your very all to me through your son. Help me to understand you, Lord, the beauty of the gospel. That it frees me from being in bondage, from trying to perform and do things that I thought would gain you approval. Well, all that you ask of me by faith is to accept what you've done for me through your son. So thank you, Lord, that you're going to free me even today. You're going to use me, the Lord, that I won't be ashamed to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, please change me to the point people know I am a changed person because Christ now is the Lord of my life and my Savior. And I'm going to love you more and I'm going to love other people, Lord. I'm even going to, Lord, show it how I care for those who are needy and poor, Lord. Starting with my own individual life. My family. Our church. Well, Lord, thank you for GGCF. Thank you for the families that are represented here. Thank you, Lord, for other brothers and sisters that are also a part of this church. Thank you, God. Because we know, Lord, we're all united for the very same purpose, Lord. Even as Christendom today, dear Lord, may be under persecution. Lord, we know the purpose will save us. That we can be a testimony to the world of the power and the grace of God that can change people's lives. If only we're just willing to believe we can do that. So, Father, thank you for setting us free and make us the people you want us to be. And, Father, it is our prayer that you bless every decision that is made today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Well, as we sing this song, it says, Lord, I give you my life, I give you my all. If Christ gave his all, he also wants all from us. And as we sing this song, let this be our prayer. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, it's all yours. Do whatever you want to do in my life. And Lord's going to bless your life, my life, the people around us. Let's all stand as we sing this, uh, this song of response. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul.